You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Uh, today, uh, I've got a word on my heart from Revelation chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles, uh, we'll turn there, uh, and we'll also have that on the screen in a moment. Uh, Revelation chapter 1. Uh, I'm actually going to do kind of a, a mini two-part series, at least that's the plan, uh, for the, today and next Sunday, uh, from uh, two, two passages, loosely related, but they're both things that uh, uh, God had put on my heart through this week uh, for us as a church, for, uh, I believe, your life, your family. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I, I believe that, you know, as a church, our mission is to see every person know Jesus experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. And what that looks like uh, is it begins with a yes to Jesus. It begins with uh, experiencing the free gift that God has made available to us and providing a way for us to be forgiven of our sin, enter into a relationship with God, uh, which is what God was always after. As my wife said, uh, Jesus didn't die on the cross for distance. And then as we grow in our relationship with God, how many know there's some things that God wants to bring freedom uh, into our life so that we can fully experience all that uh, he has for us. And so uh, we, we're, we're doing things as a church to help equip you in that area in particular that you'll hear about very soon. But also, you know, as we find community, we just finished up our winter and spring city group semester. How many were a part of a city group this semester? Uh, we had awesome groups, uh, just such great feedback and so many groups, people building relationships relationships, life-giving relationships that are pushing them uh, towards uh, growing to be all that God has called them to be, but also just fellowship and connection and, and, uh, and teaching in some cases and just so many areas that uh, we were able to grow. Uh, but the last one is uh, what I want to focus on today, and it's discovering purpose. Discovering purpose is what we believe that every person has. Every person is made in the image of God, as I said last week. Every person is created by God for a purpose, and Jesus redeems us. That means to buy back, to purchase us back. What sin had cost, Jesus paid for so that we could be free. Uh, and he doesn't just save us from uh, something, which he does. Aren't you glad for that? Jesus saved us from separation, from death, from hell, from sin's grip and power. But uh, he also saves us for something, for himself and for his purpose in the world. You were created for more than what religion had to offer, more than what people had passed along to you, more than what people said was possible even in your own life. And we're going to look at that today. Revelation chapter 1. Verses five and six, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, it's gonna describe a few things about Jesus, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and who washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us. Everybody say made us. He's made us. I, I want to just before we move into what he's made us into, I love these things. It's not without accident. There's never anything that's wasted or purposeless in the Word of God, in the Bible. Uh, and so it describes Jesus here as the faithful witness. See, listen, Jesus testifies to the truth because he is the truth. I talked a lot about truth last week. We are as free as the truth we believe and as bound as the lies we tolerate. And so if you missed that, catch the podcast, but Jesus is the truth. Truth is not just a set of correct information. It's a person named Jesus. And so he is the faithful witness. He's also the one who perfectly reveals God the Father. He perfectly reveals the nature and character and heart of who God is. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You don't have to wonder what God's like. You look at Jesus. 
We can look at Jesus to find that. He's the faithful witness. He's also, uh, he's, he's also the firstborn from the dead. You know, I, I thought about this because Jesus is not described in the Bible as the first one to ever be resurrected. Uh, we see that in Elisha's life that he raised a boy who had been dead uh, God, by God's power was raised from the dead. So Jesus wasn't the first to be physically raised from the dead, but he is the only one, the first one to be raised both physically and spiritually. Because when he died on the cross, he didn't just physically die. He took our sins, which created separation. Death, by its definition, is separation. And Jesus conquered both physical death and spiritual death. And so he's described as the firstborn. Why? Because you and I are invited to experience the benefit of that resurrection life and power. As we are able to pass from death to life. Death has lost its sting. It's lost its hold over every person who puts their faith in Jesus He's also described as a ruler over the kings of the earth. He's the highest authority. We need to remember that, church. He's the highest authority. No matter what people plot and scheme and, and strategize and the nation's rage, it says, but God has placed his son as the one who inherits the nations. He says, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, the ends of the earth for your possession. Revelation eleven fifteen says that in the end that, that, that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. What does that mean? Jesus always wins. <laughs> Come on, don't get discouraged by what you're seeing in the world and in the news and in the media and everything around you. Jesus wins, and because he wins, we get to win. Because he's overcome, and it's already a, a, a done deal. It's already a guaranteed promise that the end is, is already purpose, that we're going to experience victory because of Jesus. And then it goes to something very personal. It says that he loved us, to him who loved us. Aren't you glad for that, church? He didn't just make you, he loved you. He loved you with an everlasting love, a love that took him to the cross to pay the price. Lots of people say the words, I love you, but then it changes when the emotions change or fade or things are no longer convenient or easy or there's a sacrifice involved. But Jesus demonstrated what real love looks like, the God kind of love, agape love, that Jesus went to the cross and gave everything for us to him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. The next thing is very important because he didn't just save you from your sins, he saved you for his purpose, and he's made us. What has he made us? Uh, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Some translations read slightly different here, but it says here that he made us kings and priests unto God. He made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and forever. Some translations say a kingdom of priests, but we're gonna go with uh, kings and priests for today's purpose. Uh, he's made us kings. See, he's made you into something. Sin orphaned us, and he adopted us into God's family. We are, we are adopted not just into any family. It's the idea of adoption, biblically speaking, and it's, it's true in our earthly sense often of, of adoption. But adoption means to be literally placed as a son, placed as a, a son or daughter of God. You've been adopted into God's family, and you, Jesus got what we deserved on the cross so that we could get what he deserved as the sinless son of God. And because of that, we've been adopted into a family. Jesus is the king. He is the high priest, the only mediator between man and God. And then he redeems us, but then he gives us purpose. And that purpose looks like these two things. It looks like being made kings 
and being made priests. What does that look like? Now, we have a lot of ideas of what kings look like. Uh, we also have a, little, a lot of ideas about what priests are, but I want to give you the biblical idea today, if we can. I've got three points for you from this passage. The very first one is actually to start with the priest. He's made us priests. Priest is not just a job in the church. It's not just somebody with ceremonial robes and garbs who officiates uh, services. The, priest, uh, the priesthood is not for one man or one person in the church. It's every believer in Jesus is made a king and a priest to God. Everybody has access to God. You don't have to go to a person to go to God. Jesus has made a way for us to go to God. You can pray and move the heart of God. You can, you can come boldly before the throne of grace. And so he's made a way for that. The church exists for us to be equipped, us to grow together, us to sharpen one another. But you have one mediator. His name is Jesus. He's the only one between us and God. And he's made a way for us to enter into God's presence. What does it mean to be a priest? See, our purpose is to minister. The main job of a priest was first to minister to God. It was to, what does it mean to minister? That's another word, that's a church word, but it means literally this. It's very simple, it means to serve. It means to serve, it means to minister to, to serve to, uh, to take care of certain uh, uh, things that are needed. But, but when it comes to God who needs nothing in and of himself, God desires, he desires worship because worship is a reflection of our love to God. And so the main job of the priest, among all the things that they would do, the sacrifices and the intercession and the blessings over the people and all the things, their number one responsibility and their number one calling and purpose in life was to minister to God. And our number one calling is actually the first point today. It's simply to love God first. We all have that ministry. Everyone is called to be a priest because we're all called to love God. We're all called to be able to minister in prayer and in worship to God. God is looking for that. God is actually seeking after a relationship with those that he's, he's created and then redeemed. And so we love God. We pour out our love to God. It looks like prayer. Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. We think of prayer, we've reduced prayer to a ritual, repeating certain words, but there's no longer any faith attached to it. We, we, we've reduced prayer to how we, we start the meal, but prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer moves mountains. Prayer transforms your situation and mine because we have access to the very throne room of God. There's a lot of things we're pointing fingers at others for why this is wrong and that's wrong, but we'd have a lot more transformation in our situation if we would instead bend our knees in prayer. The priest ministers first to God. It also, you know, I, I heard this recently from a very seasoned pastor, and I love this. It's a prayer kills our pride. Because pride comes before a fall, and, and, and the, the, the phrase this pastor used was, uh, it's hard to fall when you're already on your face. <laughs> and so I think it's just a good idea in life that, that I just live a life of dependence on God and I just stay on my face for God, for my family, for, for my life, for my calling. For whatever, and that's, that's not just for me as a pastor, it's for every single one of us that God wants to move in our life. When we work, we work, but when we pray, God goes to work. And so we want to invite God to do what only he can, can do. And the priest also would worship. Psalm 100 verse 1 says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. He didn't just say, make a joyful shout, oh, you who are boisterous personalities. Uh, serve the Lord with gladness. You can actually be happy and serve Jesus. 
I, I know, I know, I know. Somebody may have shown up at your door, knocked on your door, and had a sour look on their face and said, you know, do you want Jesus? But they look miserable. Come on, church. We serve the Lord with gladness. Why? Because he's redeemed us. He saved us. If we know what God has done for your life, gladness is the result. Uh, the burdens that religion gives is what causes people to be weighed down, but Jesus lifts us. Come before his presence with singing. Well, I just don't have a good voice. Neither do I. That's okay. I'm a worshiper. I just won't sing and lead you in worship. That's all right. Uh, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. I think that's a good lesson for all of us. I think sometimes the reason we're not worshiping is we think we're still our source. I wish I could preach that right now. Okay. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. When, when entitlement ends, praise begins. Gratitude is the answer to what we're seeing in our culture. Gratitude to recognize, God, you're my source and I need you. And worship does something. It actually opens the door. It invites the presence of God in a greater way into my life. Whatever we honor in life, we attract. It's just that simple. If you've ever been mistreated in a group or an environment, you just don't want to be there. But it's, it's honestly, while God's everywhere, he's not experienced everywhere. Why? Because he's not honored everywhere. And worship does that. It attracts the heart of God, and that's what often is the difference. Worship is expressing love to God. Worship is my purpose and yours. It's also a weapon. Worship defeats discouragement. Worship disarms the lies. Worship disarms the enemy. It disarms hell. When you can praise and everything the enemy had to throw at you didn't stop you, it defeats and confuses hell because they can't figure out why you're still worshiping. <laughs> Come on, church. Sometimes I didn't even know what to pray. I just started worshiping, and God's presence would flood in. The priest also was responsible to protect what was holy. They ministered to the Lord in the tabernacle and later the temple, and uh, God was teaching Israel the, the, the importance of holy, and holy meant set apart. I did a whole series on that recently on our midweek before we finished that service. And, and, and to be holy is to be set apart, and, and we've got to recognize that the priest was responsible to minister to God first, but also to guard his heart. The Bible says, guard your heart above all else, for out of it flow the issues of life. See, what it looks like for you to walk out your calling as a priest is it looks like you and I being people of prayer, being people of worship, being people that recognize the importance of God's presence so much that we begin to guard it in our life. We guard our prayer life. We guard our faith. We guard our character and our heart. Why? Not because of some religious rules, but because we want him. Because we want more of what God has for our lives. The second point is we're made kings, and that looks like us reaching the world. We're first to love God, and then we're to reach the world. Every person in here has a, has a twofold purpose, first to love God and then to reach the world, and, 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 and that's going to look different for all of us, and together as the church, we're able to have a greater impact. Being a part of the church means being a part of something that's impacting eternity, when one life is changed, you're a part of that as the church. Because we gave, because we served, because we loved people, because we invited, because we did all those things, we're creating an environment where somebody's life can be changed by the love of Jesus just like ours was. 
We've, you've already heard about how we've been able to already this year help fully fund two international church plants. And so right here for North Iowa, you're having an impact on the nations. We're seeing things happen all over the world and God's moving. We were able to give towards something that was a relief effort. Teams were going towards Ukraine during the outbreak of the conflict. I just heard the report and, and there's been so many groups uh, supporting and being a part of that. But, but they just reported they've had over 20,000 people come to Christ. Since the crisis has started, listen, that's, that's as the church, we can have a, a, a collected impact far beyond what we could do individually, but there's still something for us individually in your life, your family, your business, your, your ministry, whatever it is that God's placed in your life, you have a way that you can impact the world. And that's what he means by us being made kings. See, those who are, I, I, I like history, Sometimes I'll, what helps me fall asleep, this is funny, but uh, I'll, I'll listen to uh, uh, history podcasts because I'm interested in it, but it also makes my mind tired enough that I can go to sleep. If I listen to another sermon, I'm like, oh yeah, I can start getting excited and then I don't sleep. Um, <laughs> but here's, here's what is interesting about throughout human history, and there's obviously exceptions, but royal, those who are in royalty, those who are kings and those that are the descendants of kings oftentimes don't worry about things like, does my life matter? They oftentimes, because of, you know, the sons and daughters of kings, because the king is in control and in power and has the resources of the kingdom, don't worry about, will I have enough? Will I be able to make it? See, when you recognize that he's made you a king and a priest, it means this. It means he's washed you, but he's also added something in you. He's transformed you. And as a child of God, you never have to live one day wondering, does my life matter? The world will lie to us. You'll hear people say this, say that. Shut that out and listen to what God says because your life is created with a purpose. You have identity and worth and purpose that the world never gave you, so why does it matter what their opinion is of you? <laughs> Come on. And I love this. So Jesus talked about the difference, though, between being a king in God's kingdom and in earthly kingdoms. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 42, Jesus called to himself his disciples and said, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. They abuse authority or uh, demand respect and authority. Their great ones exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be among you. Whoever desires to be great among you shall become your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, didn't come to be served. That's amazing. The, the only one who's ever truly been worthy without any hesitation of being served came to serve. Jesus said, even, even I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What does it look like in God's kingdom? What does greatness look like? It looks like Living not for me. Living for God first and then for others. It looks like this. It looks like laying down my pride and really walking out love. 
It looks like using my gifts not to build my own kingdom, but to build his. It looks like using the influence that you have and I have in people's lives. And you may think I don't have any influence, but listen, there's leaders in this room. There's, there's, there's people who have, make an impact in their family that don't even recognize it. You don't know who you're impacting. You don't know who you're reaching. You don't know whose life is being marked by you showing up. The question is not if we influence others, it's how we do it. Because my influence will either push somebody towards God or away from God. And, 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 and this idea of being a king and a priest means that we recognize we are there to serve. I'm so thankful that we have a church that lives this out through our dream team and through opportunities to serve and reach and impact people with the gifts that God's placed in your life. As we impact people, that, and that just doesn't just happen in the church, it happens out there too. It happens everywhere we go as we make an impact in the lives of people. See, a king's job is to think generationally. I actually heard this recently. It said a king has one job, make sure he has an heir. I'll let you figure out how that happens. But you know, as the church, we're called to not just think about our own life, our own generation, our own impact. You know, Noah didn't build the ark just for himself. He built it for his family. What if what you're building today, what if, what if God's purpose in your business and in your life and in your, your, your future is about building something that's greater than you? It's about the generations that will come after you. What if your freedom from addiction wasn't about you? What if it was about every life that your life touches? What if you were the one that broke through so that others could break through? Do you know that there's no Hebrew word for secular? <laughs> We, we've separated things. Sunday's spiritual. The other six days of the week are secular. But that's not true. That's not biblical. God wants to fill every day of the week. We have a day to set apart, one to rest, but also to grow our, to feed our faith, to grow in God, to honor Jesus. Sunday's actually the first day of the week, if you didn't know that. It's not the end of the week. It's the first of the week. It's us giving God our first. But can I tell you, God wants every part of our life to be able to be something that he can impact. Um, the third point is this. It's not either or, but it's both and. Uh, I know we've got some, some people who are way more fit than me in the room. Uh, but one thing I, I learned, I have a buddy who uh, I used to work out with, and uh, he, he was probably one of the most in shape guys I ever knew, except for one thing. He always skipped leg day. If... <laughs> If you, only, if you only work, what if you only worked out one side of your body? I don't know how that works. I don't know if anybody's ever done that. But what if you only lifted with your right arm instead of your left? You'd be strengthening one part of your life while another is depleted. And unfortunately, in our spiritual life, we approach these things often the same way. Some of us have no problem recognizing, I want to build something great. I want to do something great. I want to impact people. I want to, I, I, I want to be successful. I want to do all those things. And we focus on being a king, but we forget we have a calling to love God first. We focus on the king without the priest. And some of us like to be a priest. We like to, you know, just me and Jesus. I'm going to go in my prayer closet, you know. And we know that, you know, we're revival, we're, we're, all, we're all for it, and we're working out one muscle, but we forget we're called to reach the world too. 
It's not either or. Some of us haven't even started with both, or one of them. But, but listen, all of us are called to walk this out. We're called to love God, and we're called to reach the world. It's not one or the other. I want to, as we finish today, I want to take you to 1 Samuel 17. Jason, you want to get ready. 1 Samuel 17, familiar story. Story of David and Goliath. David shows up. David's unique in the Old Testament because the Old Testament actually made a separation. Uh, and there's reasons why. God initially wanted an entire kingdom full of priests, but then because of some things that happened in Israel at the Mount Sinai, there only was one tribe, the Levites, that became set apart as the priesthood. But throughout Israel's history, it was actually against the law of the Old Testament, against the Mosaic law, for a king to be a priest and a priest to be a king. That's why this is so revolutionary from a biblical standpoint that Jesus doesn't make us one or the other. He makes us both. And David was unique, though, because David, while he was not a part of the the official priesthood, he did things that priests would do. Because David was a warrior... He was a king. He would become an actual king later. But he was also a worshiper. The strength of David's life is he could fight, but he also knew how to worship. He could fight, but he knew how to pray. You know, my pastor years ago used to say, I don't want anybody praying for me that won't fight for me too. (laughs) We we in the church, we sometimes, I'll I'll pray for you, but we're not. Selah. If you tell somebody you're going to pray for him, pray for him. That's why it's good to just do it right there. Even better. I mean, I've, I've, I've been there. We've all been there. I'll pray for you, and then we get busy, we forget. Or write it down. Make sure you make a point. I like to pray right there on the spot, if at all possible. But you're a king and a priest, and David shows up to a battlefield one day that the current king, Saul, is hiding. Goliath has shown up, a giant has shown up, and he's challenged all of Israel. And from the king all the way on down to the mightiest warriors of Israel, every one of them for 40 days straight is letting the enemy lie, letting the enemy challenge and mock God, mock God's people, and they are refusing to answer back. They're hiding. They're so secure in their insecurity that David shows up and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Why isn't anybody fighting him? And David's brothers among the warriors comes to him and says, you got some pride, kid. What are you doing here? Because insecure people will always tear others down to make themselves feel good about why they're not showing up to the battlefield. (laughs) You can be a critic or you can show up. We have a world full of critics. Social media is like 80% of that. Or grandma writing private messages on public platforms. But can I just tell you, David shows up and says, is there not a cause? Isn't there a cause? Like, why, why are we letting this giant? Why, why did David say that? Because he was a king and a priest. He knew the heart of God in prayer and in worship, but he was also a king that said, I refuse to let the enemy challenge the nation without a response. What if instead of criticizing and complaining about the current state of things, we actually showed up to the battlefield and used the gifts that God had placed in our life? You know what David does? He goes to the king. 
And King Saul says, you know, you're just a kid. How can you face this giant? How can you face this man, Goliath, who's a man of war since he was a kid? David says, listen, you don't understand. While I was being a priest, (laughs) he didn't say it like that. He said, while I was alone with my dad's sheep, worshiping, being faithful in my job, writing the songs, the Lord is my shepherd, while I'm just doing that stuff, being with God, an enemy showed up and I took him down. And the same God who gave me victory over a lion and a bear is going to take out this uncircumcised Philistine too. And Saul says, okay, fine, I'll let you go, but you got to wear my armor. You got to do it this way. Some of us are trying to be kings, but we're using the world's methods. We're trying to build, but we're using the wrong methods. Instead of the way Jesus did. What if, what if, what if instead of using employees, you built them up? Not just for what they could do for your business, but because of who God's called them to be. Listen, you can have a kingdom impact without just preaching sermons to people. Use what God's placed in your life to serve, to reach people, but have something behind it. Have a prayer life. Have a, have a secret place with God. I'm asking you to stand to your feet. David does one last thing. In fact, if we could put this up, let me find the verse for you. First Samuel 17, 38. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head. He clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said, I can't walk with these. I've not done these. In other words, this isn't what I've walked in before, and it's not going to work. So David took them off. Can I just tell you, it's hard to be a king and a priest and still carrying offense, still dressing with shame. Still, still walking in fear. Maybe it's time to take that off and give it to Jesus. Verse 40, the last one. Then he took his staff, a shepherd's staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, the river. He put them in a shepherd's bag and a pouch which he had and a sling in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. Prayer team, if you come down. David... David was the king before he ever had a throne. David went to the, the, the brook and he picked out these stones. And he utilized the very thing that he was familiar with in his, his own time in secret. See, God will give you in prayer what you need in public. God will give you in the secret place what you need to fight in the public place. God will give you in prayer and in worship what you need to see your family free. What you need to see your marriage restored. What you need to see things move forward the way God's intended them to be. Listen, don't just pray about what we would quote consider spiritual stuff. Pray about your job. God, what do you want to do here? I'm not just here for a paycheck. I'm not just here to collect a retirement. I'm here for an eternal purpose. I don't just live on this street because my realtor found a nice house. God, you placed me here. How can I reach my neighbors? And we start praying as priests and reaching as 
Kings. What could God do through your life? I want us to pray now before we go. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and I wanna give you, I wanna pray for two things today. First, if you're in here and you don't have a relationship with God, it says that Jesus loved us. He loved you. He loved you enough to go to a cross for you. Why did Jesus die on the cross? He did it because your sin and mine, my sin separated me from God. There's that distance. Sometimes we're aware of it and sometimes we're not. We just go about our life and we we think, well, I hope I'm good enough. But sin has separated us from God and nothing can cross that but Jesus. And he died on the cross and he took your sin and mine and he took it upon himself. God placed it on him so that he could take it out of the way and make a path, make a door. Jesus now is your door to have a relationship with God. He saves us from something. He saves us from separation. He saves us from hell, for heaven, from a life without purpose to give us a life of purpose alone, orphaned by sin, but now in a family. And if you're in here, you've never said yes to Jesus. You don't get it by sitting in a, in a room called the church. You don't get it by having a family that's Christians. You get it by receiving Jesus for yourself, by saying yes personally to God. And it's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. You receive it. And I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer to, to do that today. But if you're in here and you say, Brian, I don't know Jesus like you're talking about. And maybe you have been a Christian, but you've been far from God. And today you say, I need, I need to come back home. If either of those are for you, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer right now, right where you're at. You say, that's me, Brian. Would you pray with me? Would you just lift your hands? Say, Brian, I, I need God like you're talking about. I need a relationship with Jesus. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.